Kentucky Court Furniture Clearance Center for up to 70% off new retail prices. Stock is updated regularly, so you never know what kind of treasures you'll find. We offer a wide variety of stylish furniture for any budget, and every piece is court certified, so you can let your personality show in every room. And now through April 3rd is our tax refund sale. Mention refund 25 and take 25% off living room and dining room beds. Use your refund and refresh your home with stylish finds from Court Furniture Clearance Center. Go to courtclearancefurniture.com today. Hello and welcome to Fair Game, the podcast with a firm focus on Irish sportswomen coming to you on the Headstuff Podcast Network. I'm Elaine Buckley. And I'm Emily Glenn. On this episode of the show, we're going to be meeting a woman who has had one hell of a year in her county colours. But before we do that, just a quick reminder of where you can find us. Check out headstuff.org for a full archive of episodes. Fair Game is also available to subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher and Spotify. If you could take the time to rate and review us too, that would be hugely appreciated. It really helps to spread the good word about Fair Game. Sharing episodes on Twitter, Facebook and in WhatsApp goes a long way too, so please pass on the podcast if you like what you hear. Finally, make sure you're following us on Twitter at FairGameCast, where we provide a constant stream of news, views and opinions on everything going on in women's sports, both at home and abroad, and are also open to feedback and suggestions, so drop us a line there. So, our guest today is at a very special season in the sky blue shirt of Dublin, banishing the demons of the last three years of All-Ireland football final defeats to claim the Brendan Martin Trophy for only the second time in the county's history. As well as claiming her second All-Ireland medal with the dubs, on a personal level, she put in a player of the match performance in the final, was awarded her third All-Star and the accolade of Players Player of the Year, and has just been announced as a nominee for Orte Sportsperson of the Year. So, safe to say that the 2017 season has been one to remember for Noel Healy. Noel, you're very welcome to Fair Game. Thanks very much. Well, we're going to go straight back to Sunday, 24th September, around the 5.30pm mark. So the final whistle has just gone in Croke Park. Celebrations are erupting all over the pitch, but you are whisked away stage left for your player of the match interview and presentation. And I'm not sure if you're aware, but like on the big screen for people in Croke Park and for people watching at home, I think we saw every possible human emotion cross your face <laughs> in that moment. Um, as Gráinne McElwain t- asked you your first question. Can you take us back to that moment? Um, yeah, I think I was just trying so hard not to cry. Um, I'd say every emotion probably did go go across my face. Um, it was the first time I kind of spotted a few people that I knew in the crowd as well. Um, and they were kind of probably feeling the same as well. There was definitely a few tears with them. Um, and then, like, it's it's just so hard t- to imagine. I think even when the, when the whistle went... You kind of feel that you're going to be just having this massive moment of elation and it's actually just such a wave of relief that comes through you. You don't know whether to scream, to cry, to laugh. Um, I My one memory was, I remember I was, I was by myself. I kind of, I think I collapsed down onto the pitch and all of a sudden about five of the girls came and jumped on me and for like five seconds I was like, this is so nice. And I was like, I can't actually breathe. So I was like, <laughs> Thankfully, I was whisked away at that stage. But um, yeah, it was just so surreal even just to do one of those interviews where you're heard throughout the stadium was um a bit bizarre but um no yeah it was lovely it was really nice the ceremonial side of an all-ireland final is a lot to take in you've got the pre-match presidential salute parade around Crow park the national anthem and it's a huge amount of time from when your warm-up finishes to then when you actually kick off but what goes through your mind as throw-in approaches it's actually a bit of a delicate balance to get so I think you're really nervous as it is like there's so much nervous energy going through you 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 get that buzz when you run out onto the pitch and then you try to take it down and then you're doing your warm-up and then you go back around again to the parade and then you meet the president and then you're trying to get yourself back up again 
Um, so it's just it's hard to kind of get the right level because you don't want to completely exhaust yourself for the start of the match is going to be frantic anyway I think this year we probably I mean I can't really speak for how everybody else is feeling there's still people who probably were still only in their second All-Ireland or their first All-Ireland so it was probably all still very fresh for them as well but for me I kind of just remember just trying to stay kind of as level as possible so as we were lucky as you kind of saw in the documentary we had done the the parade we'd actually done it twice um, before and we did the two weeks before and one time we did it um, kind of at the exact same time and the time we did it just before the the men's game um, and that actually kind of helped me I think because they had the, the music playing um, and we did the proper parade we had everything planned properly I actually was able to kind of get myself into the right mind frame and even the first time we did it um, I got way you, you kind of get way too wrapped up into it and I, I kind of let it go to my head a bit for, the, for our first practice so um, for the second time around you just kind of have to stay as level as you can I think in 2015 we probably overshot a little bit we kind of tried to keep as warm as possible we're doing tuck jumps and everything like that and it probably just made us a little bit frantic um, for the start of the game but um, it's yeah it's, it's it's a difficult one to get but I suppose you kind of have to enjoy it as well I mean it's it's kind of a once in a lifetime or a few times in a lifetime <laughs> opportunity but uh, yeah it's 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 a, it's a it's a nice one to enjoy and to look back on but it is a difficult one to kind of try to get that balance right and then all of a sudden throw in time and like from the very beginning of that match there was an extremely physical edge to it. Um, what was it like to be in the thick of it as a player in those opening stages as markers were laid down? Yeah, I've actually talked about that with Neve McAvoy and we were just saying for the first 10, 15 minutes we just couldn't catch our breath. And you can actually even see it after Neve scores her goal. She like she doesn't even celebrate, she's just trying to catch her breath. <laughs> um, and I think I was flat out in my face as well. Uh, it's just so frantic, there's huge hits going in. Um, you're kind of the first 10 minutes of a game anyway is hard to try to get your breath and then when there's such that energy anyway um, it, and like Mayo are, they're a physical team they're a really fast team as well so they brought that huge level of intensity um, but yeah it, it took us a while to kind of properly deal with the pace and to be able to match I suppose our ball control and our score taking um, with the pace I think we were lucky that Sinead Hearn was kind of so on point from freeze um, that kind of played to us it was a really tight opening third of that match, but about 25 minutes in, both teams all square and you won a breaking ball from a kick out and you took flight down the field to set up Neve McAvoy's goal that you just mentioned. And you took flight with like such pace watching it back. I was like, Jesus, look at her go. Um, do you remember making that run? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I think so. I've, I've watched it a few times. Like it's just been kind of shown a few times since then, but I can actually remember it. Um, Kira Trant kind of just, went for the long ball she said she saw the space behind me um, and that it was me and Alwyn against two of their players I think it was Orla Conlon and um, Aileen Gilroy um, and I just kind of gambled to be honest like I saw the two of them went for it and I was like I'll just see if it breaks nicely for me if somebody either knocks it back or it just goes over their head and thankfully it did um, and then yeah I just saw the open space and just kind of went for it I suppose yeah, and the, the it, it proved a crucial goal. Like the full time scoreline of the final suggests that it was quite a one sided affair for Dublin, but it really wasn't. Like at the at the fifty minute mark, it was one ten to Dublin, ten points to Mayo, and bearing in mind that Mayo had kicked eleven wides and dropped seven into Kira Tran's hands. But then ten minutes ago, all of a sudden Dublin turned the screw. Um, to use a, a great phrase, <laughs> three goals in quick succession. What what do you feel was the was the actual pinpoint turning point of it? I don't know. Is it just that's it. I suppose Mayo had just gotten a yellow card and a player, so maybe that kind of opened it up a little bit for them. Um, I don't know, is it Sarah coming on and just kind of having that, I suppose, freshness and also maybe a few of us had missed opportunities and that was kind of in the back of our head and she 
had just kind of the full of confidence. He made an unbelievable run, just kind of peeled off Carla. It was brilliant. Like if for anybody watching, like it's exactly how you should make a run in the forward line. Um, and I think that was probably the difference. Sarah just came on, was probably just a little bit fresher and maybe just didn't have a demons from earlier misses in the game um, playing against her. And I suppose a combination of good play and good pass as well. I mean, we were kind of saying, you know, these chances aren't always going to come for us. You know, you, you'll you'll end up ruining the chances a lot of the time. Um, but I think we were just lucky that we kept on creating chances. Um, I think Carla, the point that she had gotten just before that, if she'd kept going, she probably could have been in on a goal. Um, and maybe Sarah, like she is, she's quite a ruthless goal taker anyway. So maybe she just had that kind of in her eye that, you know, when she saw the net in front of her, she wanted to, to bury it. And luckily she did. <laughs> in spite of having the number 15 on your back, you could be seen down the fullback line, your own fullback line for the closing stages. Was that part of the game plan to get you guys over the line? Or did uh, you just find yourself there? Um, I suppose earlier on in the year I'd played in, in different positions. Um, I was playing centre-back and I was also playing as a bit of a sweeper um, just while, we, while Mick was getting used to just the different players and the different, I suppose, strengths and skill sets. And also we we missed a lot of play, a lot of defenders for the earlier half of the year just through injury um, or just them taking a break after club season. Um, but yeah, I suppose um, I'd like, would kind of have a, a good enough engine. I'd kind of try to keep myself quite fit and playing in full forward as opposed to other years where I would have kind of played that role for the full game it kind of gave me a chance to I suppose reserve the energy a little bit to be able to move out um towards the end of the game I think with Lindsay going off um and Neve McAvoy probably went off as well who'd be quite good ball carriers and kind of strong link players for us it kind of I was given the role then to move out um and to try carry the ball I suppose and kind of just just keep ball really more than anything I don't know if I was supposed to drop as far back as I did probably just over enthusiasm in the day <laughs> um but it was yeah I, I just kind of we were just defending really well um and I, I got a few lucky breaks as well yeah well your stats from the final speak for themselves 23 possessions the most of any player in the pitch that day 11 solo runs and two three provided for your teammates in assists so what did you have for breakfast that morning porridge <laughs> uh, a lot yeah no I, I eat a good bit on the morning um, of a match um, I had porridge I think first of all when I woke up watched a bit of TV and then I had two poached eggs um, what was it uh, sweet potato fries for breakfast well it's brunch then you know. right. the match is at four o'clock <laughs> she makes a fair point yeah. fair point my mate yeah any <laughs> excuse to eat we all love carb loading day on the Saturday we're like yeah it's carb day <laughs> If you get that wrong, though, I know, I know, I know, <laughs> it's yeah. a tricky one. I know. But you are—you've, I mean, you've had a little bit of practice getting that, getting that right. So you are one of the five surviving players from the 2010 team who first lifted the Brendan Martin Trophy for Dublin. How did this time round compare? Um, very different. I was 18, I think, when we won it the last time. I was second year in a minor. It was my first proper year playing senior as a full senior, not kind of playing with two teams, playing with your minor and your senior team. Um, I think I've said before we were really successful underage um, I played with Neve McAvoy Sinead Goldrick Fiona Hudson Sinead O'Mahony Hannah Tira was was on our team as well who plays as a rugby um, and we were in an All-Ireland final nearly every year we won under 14 under 16 and minors together um, I we came out of senior we're playing an All-Ireland final in 2009 and then we we broke through we probably thought the pattern we actually lost an All-Ireland final under 16 and minor to Cork and then we went on and won it the next year so I think because we probably thought the pattern was oh yeah lose one to Cork and then you'll win your next one but uh, so it, I probably took it for granted a little bit I also wasn't as big of a member on the team I came on I think me and Eve McAvoy came on with five minutes to go the game was, was nearly won at half time but um, 
it was brilliant at that age to kind of get that experience to get a run out in Croke Park and to be one of the five subs using the day we were really lucky but uh, we kind of just went went with it enjoyed the celebrations we were both first years in college and kind of just enjoyed the week-long celebrations and the week-long of going out and then I, I think we probably hadn't seen the hurt that the other girls had seen or probably wouldn't didn't put in the kind of same dedication and training that the other girls had put in which you don't when you're 18 or 19 you kind of just show up and eat what you want and you know have have what you want and you know training isn't as difficult you don't have the same demands and the same like sacrifices to make um whereas this year you know I really experienced the three losses um very much on on the you know kind of the the front of it um I suppose the sacrifices that I had to make were so much more I was kind of putting an awful lot more of myself into it and having to put an awful lot more of my time into it as well so it kind of just from that point of view was just so much better and then I suppose the the group of girls that we had um it kind of felt more like it was my team and it was my group of friends as well so from that point of view it just was so special like and you know it's 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 something that I'll definitely never forget anyway. It was really nice to see just after the full-time whistle like obviously there were some people who stepped away from the panel but like you were straight over with the trophy to to the likes of Sorka Furlong in the crowd and it meant an awful lot to an awful lot of people who had maybe stepped away from the panel as well. Yeah I've spoken to Lindsay Pete um, a few times since then and she was just even saying that it helped her heal a little bit, I suppose, from the 2014 loss that she had, that she kind of felt that she could take something from it, just to see the group that she was part of and, you know, see that that, that she did play a role, you know, in, in definitely nurturing some of the younger girls when they came up as well um, and seeing them get over the line. The 2010 girls had a reunion then, um, I think that evening, and another one a few um, a few weeks later as well and they were still buzzing um, over the thing and as well there's a, there was a WhatsApp group and when they were watching the documentary as well they were like they were getting so excited by the whole thing and even just reliving their own memories and then excited about seeing I suppose where Dublin football has come to the, the kind of standard of training that we're training at now as well so it's brilliant there's definitely quite a bond and a link between the two teams which is brilliant to see I suppose you know being an All-Ireland winner medal for Dublin is a really special thing um, and it does make you kind of I suppose linked in some ways to them um, whether you've met them or not. We uh, we saw a glimpse into the dressing room after that match and you had Florence and the Machine blaring out the dog days are over Um, what's the significance of that song to the squad? Um, so it was the 2010 um, song as well there's another really good video somewhere on the internet of the whole team standing around the I think we're in the actual training change room this time standing around one of the tables um, just absolutely blaring that song and singing it at the top of our lungs um, and then at one moment the cup is actually brought in there's another big cheer it's, it's a good video I think our physio took it but um, the song was probably out at that time that was 2010 it probably came out at the end of 2009 start of 2010 so um, I'd say it was just quite popular at the time and then also the the, the lyrics and the message to it probably would have um, stuck with a lot of the girls they'd also lost to Ireland finals a lot, a lot of them 2004, 2005 and then 2009 the year previous as well as you know disappointment we'd, we lost um, at the quarter final stage and you know we'd gone through stages where we couldn't even get past I think there was a group stage at one stage in the LGFA um, and you know we were only just winning Leinsters so I, I think for a lot of them it probably had a good message Um I think it definitely it was it kind of just came back in this year I don't know I can't remember who put it on but they were on the bus on the way home from the Leinster final um, we were playing music over the 
um, system and somebody put it on and it kind of just stuck a chord and we all started blaring singing it again um, and then I think Shane put it on then again um, in the change room and it was just one of those kind of really perfect moments where mm. the soundtrack just fitted it perfectly yeah and um, another thing on, on kind of thing of significance on All Ireland Final Day now this could be a camp secret and fair enough it is but the whole team seemed to be wearing blue tape around their, their wrists with a message written on it what was what was the story behind them or can you tell us or just don't lose this time <laughs> <laughs> that was basically it like I'm not going to tell you exactly what the message was behind it um, it's probably like I don't know how important it is but I think it's some, it's kind of nice just to keep I suppose some things um, to the team but that was basically the sum of the message don't really, lose don't lose this time yeah <laughs> Don't lose. I really like that. I'm a big one for mantras, but I didn't think they'd be as direct as that. <laughs> so the celebrations were plentiful on, in the aftermath. The team banquet to the event in Afina, to the civic reception in the Mansion House, a few rounds in the Boar's Head, I believe. What were the highlights for you personally? Um, God, uh, so many. Um, Malahide was gorgeous. It was really nice. Um they're such a it's a lovely town the three girls that come from it their club are so proud of them um, and they're they're really good to their club as well so that was a really nice moment um, for the three of them and also for Sinead to bring the club back as the cup back as well um, honestly the one thing that sticks out of my mind is just waking up the next morning and just I shared with, with Dee Murphy and we were talking about this this week just kind of waking up and just that feeling where you're just like yes like you know and just we were just the two of us we kind of looked over and I think she might like put her face in the air we were both a little bit maybe inebriated but um you know it was like it was just such a lovely moment and then we went down for breakfast and a few of the girls were there we were just laughing and joking like and um we're looking forward to going into the hospital and everything like that like the the, the mornings after can be just horrendous like you know you you wake up and all of a sudden you kind of remember what you've lost and your body's sore and you're 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 you begin to have those regrets are coming in and you're you know, you're trying to trying to encourage people to stay together for the next day just to kind of you know give the year a send off but you know some people just don't want to see each other they want to be alone they want to do their own thing it's 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 really hard so for me that was kind of my favorite moment but um Nafina was really special as well uh, I remember that from 2010 it was one of the best experiences ever I couldn't believe the support that was in 2010 um but this year it just surpassed everything like getting that bus down and all the little kids boys and girls of kind of you know every age between 15 to 9 um, just like you know running along the bus cheering us on it was lovely it was really great and you had another big night out there at the end of last month um, when you were named as the players player of the year at the All Stars first Dublin player ever to win the accolade congratulations how did it feel to win that award? Um, bizarre still kind of feels a bit bizarre uh, I suppose when you look at kind of the past winners like Breach Corkery Jodie O'Flynn, um, Karen O'Hannon, like just legends of the game. And then the two girls, like Cora Staunton and Sinead O'Hearn, like arguably probably the best two forwards, definitely playing at the moment and probably has ever played the game. Um, it's just, yeah, it kind of hasn't really sunk in yet. I don't know. I suppose you kind of, you always have your own personal belief that you, you know, you are good enough to mix it amongst the, 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 the kind of, the, the, you know, I suppose the, the, the greats and, you know, when you get your All-Stars, it kind of is just a little a bit of encouragement in, in that terms. But you kind of never really see yourself as being at the kind of level of the of the, the Breach Corkeries and the, 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 the Carlin O'Hanlon. So that's um just really special. Even when you look at the girls that have been nominated before and from Dublin, like Lindsay Davey and, and Sinead Goldrick. Like, so uh, it's just it's it's still a little bit surreal. But um yeah, it's it's a lovely honour. 
It was uh, it was my first time to come to the All Stars banquet, um, and it's an absolute experience. Definitely highlight of my twenty seventeen. <laughs> um, but it's not it's not your first outing by a long stretch. You won your third All Star. Um, but did this night feel different to you? Because uh, the dubs coming into this as All Ireland champions. Um, yeah, I think it did. It's a hard one. Yeah, because you you are like there's so many of you there, which is really nice, and then. I suppose when they show the kind of the highlight reel and the and the, the the look back through the year, it's 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 lovely as well. You're kind of able to to properly enjoy it rather than enjoy the first half and then get that sinking feeling in your stomach that you're gonna have to watch it through again. Um, but then you suppose it's it's kind of such a delicate balance because you when you're interacting with the other with the other players of the county, you kind of you know you you, you never want to come across as being over arrogant and you know you never want to come across as rubbing it in anybody's faces. So it's it's you, you can find it kind of hard to know how to interact with people, but then. I suppose once you kind of meet everybody and it's all the same faces that you know, it, you kind of just slip back into old habits. Like we, we, I think like ladies football is actually very nice. I've spoken to a few of the guys um, from the Dublin team and they they like rarely really re- um, interact with many guys from other counties, even on trips they've been on. Whereas we'd get to know the girls quite well between um, I suppose all star all star trips and different events that you do, even kind of build up to matches. So and then I suppose in college as well, like you actually know the girls quite well. So it's nice. It's it's quite nice. So it's nice to be able to just kind of have a chat with them. Um, which is lovely. Mm, and there's another another big award ceremony in the car, on the cards now because you've just been announced as a nominee for the RT Sportsperson of the Year with Dublin also nominated for Team of the Year and Mick Bohan up for Manager of the Year. Yeah. So a clean sweep for the Dubs, not a bad way to see out the season. No, it's lovely. Um, yeah, definitely um, for the team, it's, you know, it's brilliant. It's it's so lovely um, to get that honour. Um, and for Mick as well, uh, such an honour for him, you know, first year in charge. Um he did such a brilliant job, him and his management team. Um, you know, the team he had he had behind him were unbelievable. They kinda they just catered to everybody's need. Um and then uh yeah, personally I suppose it's it's a, it's a nice thing to get. My parents actually missed the All Stars. They um retired this year. They took a three week trip to Australia. So they were like they go to everything, like literally everything, first league game of the year, like lashing rain, they're there and then this year they missed it so they'll be home for that so that's kind of the one thing that I'm most delighted about that they'll be there for that because I felt sickened um, for them to, to miss that and uh, so it'll be great to have them there I'll be delighted As you say it is uh, Mick Bowen's first year in charge um, so take us back to the start of the season it was a big change in personnel for the Dubs team but how did he motivate that group of players to get back into pre-season again? Um, yeah, I think we've said this before. He described a few of us as wounded birds um, trying Aww. to get. <laughs> no, it sounds so sad. That's so evocative. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, trying to to kind of, I suppose, coax a few us back or just kind of bring a few of us back. Um, there was definitely look a lot of people who didn't want to come back. I think a change of manager is really difficult. We were we were probably a few worried that they'd kind of see the talent that was underage and just start to rebuild with the team that was kind of coming through rather than the team that he had. And a few of us were kind of wondering, we don't know if we have the years in us to kind of wait for that. Um, but Mick was brilliant. He's just, he's so passionate about women's football um, and he's so knowledgeable about it. He kind of just went back to the roots of the game um, and, you know, just about teaching us skills. And I suppose as soon as we kind of got back in together, we kind of realised we just loved playing football and we loved the group that we had and kind of it, it just slipped back in very easily. But um, definitely the first two training sessions is hard. I remember the first one was a gym session and I came down the steps and you see Mick there and, you know, you're kind of like, 
it's just very hard to kind of get yourself going again and to kind of build that relationship again. But um, no, he was brilliant. Like I couldn't speak highly enough of him and his management. Did it ever cross your mind to 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 step away or any of the years, 2014, 2015 or this year? Um, I think last year was probably the one where it did cross my mind. Um, I suppose at work, you kind of feel like you miss a little bit. It's very hard to kind of keep texting people to be like, I have training these nights. Can I not do my call that night? And trying to organise swaps, you kind of feel like you're plaguing everybody and you kind of feel like you're not being the team player in work, which is hard. Um, and I'm sure people don't see that see it that way, but you kind of don't want to feel like you're you're not pulling your weight. Um, and then just the loss is just so sickening. You kind of, it's hard to know if you, you know, you definitely kind of come to your mind, like, are we just not good enough? Like we, we you know, I suppose in 2014, it was our first year there. So that was kind of a bit of a soften to the blow. In 2015, we were missing Sinead Ahern, Leah Caffrey, Dee Murphy, Siobhan. A lot of them went on holidays. Well, not holidays. They took a well-deserved year away. And then 2016, we kind of felt like we had everybody back. Um, so it was just, yeah, it, it did kind of cross my mind. But, um, you know, it's funny. Then you get the call from Mick and everything's like, yeah, sure, no problem over there. <laughs> um, so you're probably just kidding yourself. So, um probably not <laughs> I probably was just like trying to feel sorry for myself I was probably always going back it's it's a funny one to hear you talk about the sacrifices that you've made and how those sacrifices have kind of gotten bigger I suppose as as you have matured as a as a player and as just a person in regular mm. life and you were the captain of the 2016 squad um, and the decision to step away from the captaincy how was that made and what's the kind of impact that that's had on your 2017 season um, so I was just, I was vice captain this year, which I suppose kind of not softened the blow, but I, I kept, was kept on as a leadership role. Um, with the change of management, I kind of just didn't really expect to be kept on as captain. Dublin kind of just changed it, um, nearly year to year, um, in terms of captaincy. So I, you know, nobody really ever had done more than, than one or two years. So I kind of didn't really expect to be kept on. So to be asked to be vice captain by Mick was a, was a lovely honour. Um, and especially, you know, Sinead Ahern is just an unbelievable leader um, I suppose this year she probably felt like she had to speak a little bit more but she was always that one person who would never really say anything unless it had to be said and then all of a sudden the floor would just go quiet because it was like why did nobody else think of that um, and then just in terms of what she does in the pitch is unbelievable like one of my favourite moments um, from 2017 is I think it's the last 30 seconds of our All-Ireland semi-final where we're you know we've scored four goals we're, we're nearly 12 points up um, there's a kick out from one of the scores and a carry player wins it and Sinead Ahern tackles the player, turns the ball over and Sinead Goldick gets a point from it. Like, you know, she's she's a full forward who wouldn't traditionally, you know, they wouldn't traditionally tackle whereas so many points up but she still just has that worth ethic and she's just leading from the front. Like, I just, I thought it was unbelievable. Yeah, she'll never be bomber her and she's an absolute workhorse in there. Like, yeah. She, she really she really gets stuck in. And um, in terms of your own role with it within the team, Noel, we saw glimpses into the Dublin camp in, in the recent documentary Blues Sisters. And during one session, Mick tells you that the that your role for the upcoming championship season is going to be ninety percent running and ten percent kicking or ten percent shooting. How did that ch- change of style kind of suit you this season? Because it was quite different to to what you'd been doing beforehand. Um, yeah, I suppose it's something that you need to have a good bit of fitness for. Um, so you're lucky that Ken Robinson did a good bit of work um, in terms of that as well. I suppose playing inside as well made a bit of a difference in that I didn't have to. I suppose track back those long runs and then try to carry, win the ball and then try to carry the ball all the way back up again which made a bit of a difference um, I think he probably just was playing to my strengths I think you can you can hear that in that half time um, clip from the Waterford game I um, 
I can remember feeling a lot tired in that game when I was I was playing out a bit and I kept trying to kick the ball in. Um, probably going kind of going for the spectacular, the more difficult pass rather than just the easy pass or just carrying the ball. Um, and yeah, he he called me out in it and he was right. Um, you know, I I I'm I'm a good ball carrier, so I should probably play to my strengths and carry the ball a little bit better. There's girls on our team who are better kick passers, and that's their strength. Um, so I suppose he, you know, he just was like, just play to your strengths. But uh, he's still adamant to. He, I was chatting to him the other week, and he was like, "We're going to get your kicking better this year." Um, so maybe it'll be an eighty twenty next year, and I'll slowly <laughs> build from it. An eighty twenty split. Uh, that particular scene you're talking about, um, in Blue Sisters, really struck a chord with me, because. It's just, he he just is so kind of strong in his criticism of your performance from the first half. And, you know, he tells you that um, it's, yeah, I suppose he just, he doesn't mince his words. Oh, yeah. And you have to take that on board in such a pressurised environment. The second half of the semi-final against Waterford. And you absolutely do. you And you went out and played an absolute stormer. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> because I think if somebody spoke to me like that, I think I'd, I think I'd freeze. I don't know what I'd do. Now, obviously, you have a really, you know, trusting rapport with Mick, so you can take that on board. But how? Um, yeah, definitely trust. I suppose is the most important thing. Um, you need to know that they're coming from a place where they're just trying to get the most out of you, and they're not doing it because they want to have a pop at you. Um, I probably knew myself that I wasn't doing well and I think sometimes when somebody else says it to you it kind of just reinforces it because you're always going to try to be a little bit softer on yourself. Um, being one of the more senior girls in the team, you just have to. I mean, you can't go and sulk because then what example is that setting for other girls? Um, and then I suppose, I I think, yeah, like in, in my job and definitely in college as well, you're kind of used to getting given out to a little bit um, and being put on the, on the spot a good bit as well. So I kind of have a bit of practice with that as well. But... Like you just kind of have to get over it. It's not. It's not the first time that it's happened to me. Um, it was probably unfortunate it was caught on camera. I definitely wasn't the only one that it happened to either. Um, and I'm pretty sure it probably won't be the last time that it'll happen to me either. Um, I'm sure that everybody's had that experience. Um, so yeah, like you just kind of, especially I think I think the most important thing is that if there's other younger girls around, you can't be seen to be sulking. Um, it's a team, you know. Like if, as Mick said, like if you're not doing your job, if you're tired, it's the next man up, and that's the way it has to be. Did you have any reservations, Noel, about cameras coming into the Dublin camp? Like when when the idea the documentary was first kind of mooted, did you have any concerns about that, or were you all for it? Um, so Mick sat down with myself and Sinead and a few of the other um, senior girls in the team and asked kind of what we thought of it. Um, we'd had cameras in around before, I suppose, the, where the idea came from was that Ghanu show that was on. It was the same team that were in. Um, they were at one of our training sessions. I think they must have just seen where their interest was piqued kind of by the type of training that we were doing and then maybe by the group that was there as well. Um, and then they asked Mick if, if, if what, what they thought about kind of doing a fly on the wall documentary um the girls had done it in 2003 as well um no 2004 sorry when they got to the all-ireland final um and a lot of us have seen that show it's, it's a brilliant show and it's great to kind of see the inside of of the of the team um we he did kind of ask us he said what do you think like do you think that it's gonna people are gonna start playing up to the cameras or do you think people are gonna be shy of the cameras and the opinion that we had was that there was actually no place to hide you know you kind of have to you have to be honest you know you can't shy away from it it has to be black and white because people are going to see it. Um, and then the other thing that we felt was that we kind of, it gave us 
an impotence I suppose that we knew that that was going to be shown in November at the end of the season regardless so basically what do you want to be watching do you want to be watching yourself get knocked out at a quarterfinal at a semi-final do you want to watch yourself losing an All-Ireland final again or do you want to be sitting down and watch yourself winning an All-Ireland final so that's kind of the way we saw it like kind of just write your own story basically that's really impressive write your own story I like that <laughs> um, it's interesting to hear you talk as well about the the crew their interest being kind of picked by your training style and we saw a particular scene in that documentary um, when you guys are in the gym and they're, you're just throwing medicine balls at each other's abs and I was I was tempted to Google does that give you immediate abs if you do that because we'd be straight down to fly fit I think you're probably just trying to find them <laughs> yeah. where is that um, but listen talk us through a, a typical training week for a Dublin player um, so last year we did uh, that gym session on Monday um, so we'd be down with Ken we'd be doing either a strength and conditioning session or some kind of activation session maybe a recovery session um, Wednesday, Friday and Sunday then were pitch sessions um, so on ball work um, squad games working through tactics or working through drills That's kind of and then outside of that? Um, so outside of that it's it's up to yourself um, a few people do either Pilates or yoga um, they might go to the sea do a bit of a swim um, it just depends some people do nothing. They kind of like having their days off. They just need their days off to kind of prep for the week. Um, some people, it depends on the time of the year. If it's earlier on, they might do their own little bits of work, um, either ball work or fitness work um, or mobility work. And then if it's coming to the end of the year, they might just be kind of using it just to do either light ball work, light skills, or even just get down to our clubs, um, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned already you have a very high pressure job in your career as an anaesthetist. No, I can't no. do it. <laughs> anaesthetist yes, there we go good. I tried so hard I was told last week was like, I was down in St Bridget's and a few of the girls were in the primary school that I was and they are like your principal showed us your video with the AIG one I was like oh lovely what do you think but they are like they're lovely you work as an antibiotic don't you I was like <laughs> close enough so close yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm not going to try say it again but in, in your work as that sport life balance is uh, it's tricky to strike for anyone who commits to, to inter-county football like it's you know nine ten months of your year but for you, it must be even more difficult. Um, how do you kind of juggle the recovery and nutrition side of things alongside your training? Um, yeah, recovery can be hard, I suppose, because you're on your feet um, an awful lot. I used to wear those like recovery pants or skins pants um, underneath my scrubs, particularly if I was doing like a long day on call. They just kind of help because you feel like you're getting an extra little bit of recovery in, and then they kind of help just with your legs from stop being so fatigued. Um, it's just about kind of getting enough sleep I suppose that like everybody has very long jobs and everybody works very long days I suppose the difference in my job is I kind of have to throw weekends or nights into contention um, which can kind of throw off your sleep and then also it's just a nightmare to kind of work out your, your rota um, I was really lucky in in all the places I've worked the people who are doing the rota are brilliant they're really supportive and they're kind of happy to, to work around me which is which has been brilliant like that kind of it makes or breaks it but um it's just about being prepared. Um, I suppose we were lucky this year. We, we got a little extra bit of funding um, made available to be able to have food after training, which made such a difference just because you're getting food in early and then you're not, you kind of can go to bed a little bit earlier because you're not going home and trying to prepare food um, for, for that night and then for the next morning as well. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of just about being organized and time management. Um, and then I've just, I suppose, been lucky in terms of, um, recovery and injury prevention you kind of try to do your little bits as much as you can either before or after training um, but I think sleep is sleep and kind of good food is probably the best thing that you could do that's really nice to hear because I love sleep it's one of my yeah, favourite things food is also yeah, food, absolutely top three <laughs> <laughs> um, but listen t- take us back to Noel uh, 
as a little wee tot. Um, your parents are from Mayo, you just mentioned, um, and your first trip to Croke Park was to see the girls in green and red take on Monaghan in the 2002 All-Ireland Final. Mm-hmm. What did you take away from that experience? Um, Mark Corstone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Up Mayo, no. Um, I, I was just so excited about it all. I actually remember, I think I was playing kind of wing forward at the time wing forward centre forward and I remember there was one girl that was running with the ball up the wing she kind of made a big long run up the wing and I remember thinking like that's deadly I want to do that like I want to make a big run at Croke Park I just want to get to Croke Park um, I just loved it I thought that the whole spectacle of it was brilliant to be playing in such a massive stadium was so good um, and just like playing for your county I just thought it was the, the best thing ever um, I just I loved it yeah I just loved the whole the crowd the excitement of it and as well as the football, what other sports did you play when you were a young girl? And who actually were your kind of, who were your role models that, that you looked up to in sport? Um, so I started off in athletics, most of all. Um, my biggest role model would probably be my older sister. She's five years older than I am. Um, she would have started off in athletics. She was a really good middle distance to long distance runner. Um, would have represented Ireland um, and Leinster at kind of schools and club level. Um we, when we were in primary school, I used to be able to get off early to go watch her. Just my mum couldn't pick me up from school, so I used to get to go watch her run her races when she was in secondary school. And she used to win, so I loved it because I got off school early and then I just loved watching her win. Um, and then I remember they used to announce it over the intercom that, like, Neve Healy has won another race. And I was just like, that's my sister. I was like, loved it. Um, so she would have been one of my main inspirations growing up. And then I went on to running from that. Unfortunately, I wasn't a good long-distance runner as her, but I could beat her in a sprint, so I was happy with that. Um, so I did running for most of my underage um played a good bit of basketball as well both in a club and school i think i tried tennis swimming for a while um i never played soccer with a team but i used to kind of play it just messing around with the guys um who i was friends with when i was younger as well so you're one of those all-rounders as they say yeah i probably broke my mum's heart she probably kept i like there was nothing that stuck she brought me down to like tennis ballet everything and i was like no i don't like it next one and she was like <laughs> Pick one. <laughs> Just don't buy don't buy the kit first. Yeah. But then when you when you landed with your, your club St. Bridget's, um, how does club life fit around the intercounty schedule? Yeah, it's it's really difficult. Um I think everybody probably finds it hard. The I think just the traditional nights for ladies football is probably a Monday and a Wednesday. So that's the days that we train with club and that's the days we train in school. So on a Monday, um, especially when kind of the days got a bit nicer we used to try go down before gym kind of either just do a kick around ourselves and then like just do a bit of a warm-up with them or either just kind of stand in and encourage them a little bit um just to show your face before heading off to um the gym and then Wednesdays like if you've training you just kind of can't get down um sometimes the club girls trained on a Friday or Saturday morning so you try to get down to them as well but um it is it's difficult um and I think it's it's hard as well because a lot of the time the league runs on a bit so you're kind of trying to sandwich the the club championship into kind of very small periods of break and then you're kind of only there for maybe a training session or two properly before the club championship begins and then you know you're kind of just getting used to it used to them and you're playing with them and then you're back again with the, with the county so it can be it can be really really difficult the girls are brilliant um we're lucky with that we've colleen and circa who would have played with our dublin team for the past few years um who are now full-time with, with bridget's and elaine kelly as well so they kind of know the struggle that they can and they kind of understand that struggle but i know a lot of club players probably do get frustrated that the county girls kind of aren't there an awful lot 
Um, but it's, it's you know, hopefully th- they'll find room for improvement. I know the men kind of struggle with it as well. Yeah, and um, we've seen one thing since the All-Ireland. We've seen lots of lovely kind of dispatches from clubs around Dublin um, where they have the ca- their county players back and like all the the young girls in the club kind of having the crack with the trophy and all that. Did um, did Bridget do anything for yourself and Kira Trant and Dee Murphy's Bridget's Italian? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, last Wednesday we went down. Um, the So the Wednesday nights I'm saying is, is the girls' nights and it's actually brilliant. They have like the under nines are training first and then the under 14s and 15s and then the senior girls kind of come on. So there's three hours where all the teams um, are training the one night so we went down and we kind of did a little bit of a training session with each of the teams and then went in and did our um, uh, the medal presentation for them so actually I think nearly every team were in either a league final or a championship final which was brilliant to see um, they all did really well so we gave out the medals to them kind of just said a few words said a bit of Q&A and then took photos or whatever they needed but they were brilliant um, I suppose you kind of are so used to not expecting to be recognised and then they were all like Kira, Dean, Noel. it was lovely like they kind of I suppose that there's a picture up of us in the club so we're probably just that little bit better recognised now which is great but um, no it's lovely they're all so enthusiastic about it and they were all so excited loads of them were saying that they were there in the final of the day um, which was really nice yeah it was lovely it was actually so gorgeous That's really sweet to hear so listen two quick fire questions right one who has been your toughest player that you've come up against one on one in a match? Um, it's probably a bit predictable but she's from Dublin so uh, it's Sinead Goldrick um, I've had to mark her since I was under 10 I got given out to <laughs> Stinger I know I got given out to so badly I remember one day um, it was my f- it was the first time I'd ever marked her under 10s because we just sat and chatted to each other for the whole time my dad gave out to me so much when I was leaving but um, I've I've marked her between club and county all the way up um, she's just unbelievable I got a bit of a break this year because I snuck into the full forward line and I felt sorry for Nicola Owens who had to deal with her. But, um, like, you just can't show her the ball. She Like, I've never seen somebody who can dispossess a player as well as she can. She, like, karate chops the ball out of them. She's unbelievable. She was tiny when she was younger and she used to be, like, a little terrier-like. And she's kind of kept that skill with her, but she's about three times as strong as probably most players on the pitch. Um, She's brilliant. She's unbelievable. I couldn't speak more highly of her. Mm. And if the LGFA now introduced a transfer market for t- the 2018 season and you could bring any player into a sky blue shirt, who would you choose? Um, she's probably actually retired at this stage, but definitely at her peak, um, Tracy Lawler. We played with her at Leinster um, at the Interpros and then we would have played a good bit against her um, with Leash and she's just unbelievable. I've never seen somebody who's so good at carrying the ball, such an engine and then just such an unbelievable free taker. Um, I remember there was one at the Interpros, I think it was the Shield final, it was to go into extra time. It was from inside the 21, like way out at the left, and she just pinged it straight over, like pressure kick, no bother to her. I was so impressed with her. Um, and, you know, she kind of, we there would have been, I think there was one stage where there was maybe five of us on the starting team in that Leinster game were, were from Dublin, and she was the sixth one who was from Neat, and she just slotted in so effortlessly, was just able to play off it so well. Is just such a good natural footballer, such an intelligent footballer. So you'll probably be her. So we've covered the celebrations from the All Ireland, and I mean, you you haven't taken it easy on the celebrating, uh, <laughs> and they've been going for two months strong, and there is no sign of stopping either. And these are apparently all going away at Christmas time together. Where he's off to? Um, yeah, the girls are going to Cyprus. Um, I'm working, so I can't go. No, yes, but uh, I'm sure they'll have a good time. <laughs> No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> and the All-Stars touring party are off to Thailand in March. Are you going to make that one? 
yes, I've booked, um, pleaded and begged for leave off. So hopefully I get it. I mean, if I don't, I don't. But um, yeah. So so go. Thailand is on the menu there. Um, yes. for the you've been on an all star trip before, of course, to San, San Diego. San Diego. Yeah. For the vast majority of us, I don't know. I I play junior football, so I'm probably not going to make an all star team anytime soon. <laughs> Do you reckon if I take up the sport now, I could make one? No, you'd cry. <laughs> yeah. You have no, to I deal would. with those halftime team talks. No, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> what is an all-star tour like? Um, I suppose I've only been on one and it was brilliant. Uh, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, it's good fun. <laughs> <laughs> Goes into our state of the tour. No, um, yeah, no, it's good. It's it's nice to, to mingle with the girls from the other team to get to know them and especially just have a night out with them where kind of you're there together as the one team, as the one travelling party. Um, without kind of having the oh we've just beaten you a game or coming up against you soon it's probably a good time of the year to have it as well um, it, yeah like the, the matches are brilliant it's great to be able to play with them as well um, we got an opportunity to play with the, kind of some of the court girls who'd never really get a chance to play with and it was brilliant to kind of just see their style of football how they play how they communicate with each other on the pitch um, was brilliant as well and then yeah there's a few good nights out as well a few casual casual refreshments yeah one or two yes yeah um, so listen, it's our final question. Um, and to kind of summarise your year, you, like, you've you had a whopper of a year, but also f- ladies football in general has had an absolute cracker of a year. Um, a landmark day for women's sports on the, the 24th September. Um, a record attendance of 46,286 people to those turnstiles. So... When you're kind of projecting future, uh, projecting forward into the future, where do you see your sport growing? How do you see it growing? Exponentially, I think. I think at the moment there seems to be a huge appetite for kind of not just fitness in general, but I suppose definitely like I think what struck people from our final was probably that sense of belonging and then the sense of bond that was between the girls and the team. And I think it wasn't the skill, it wasn't what was on display. It was kind of that just sense of camaraderie and that sense of going and achieving for something together with a greater group so I think a lot of people are kind of probably yearning for that or looking for that as well so I think team sports will probably become a bit more popular in terms of that um I think ladies football has been transformed over the last few years in terms of the style of game it is it's so fast now it's gotten so much more skillful um it's probably a lot different to the sport that I would have seen when I went as a young girl to watch that game in 2002 I think it's a really exciting game so I think a lot of young girls are probably very excited about it as well um, so I can kind of just see it going from strength to strength now I think a lot of that depends on people getting behind it um, and people demanding that it goes strength to strength I think if we kind of rest on our laurels at this stage and just expect it to happen it's not going to happen um, we need to kind of stand up and make sure that people take notice I think the league will probably be a good asset test from that I think if we go back to playing in kind of substandard pitches for intercounty and for not getting the support out it's just going to go back the way it is whereas I think if we kind of demand from our men's county board that they let us have the double headers um, on the big days when it fits I think that will make a huge huge difference even if it's just people coming in for half time I mean you're never going to get the big crowds in for the full game um, especially at the, at the start when it just begins but if you can showcase your game for 20-30 minutes especially when it's coming to the end is always the most exciting part I think that will make a huge difference Yeah it'd be great to like that figure is is amazing and it's such an achievement but like I personally would would just love to see more support out for the semi-finals and the quarter-finals because the ladies championship is so competitive that you're getting absolute crackers of games yeah. like compared I don't like comparing it to the men's championship but it, it is a more exciting championship yeah and for every county as well I think like I just 
think the structure that the Lace Football has with the junior, intermediate and senior championship just makes so much sense. You've, you know, every single county has a real chance of getting to an All-Ireland final. Um, and so I don't see why, you know, the whole counties aren't getting out behind it because a lot of the counties are going to get to All-Ireland semi-finals, All-Ireland quarterfinals. So, you know, it makes absolute sense to get the clubs out behind and supporting them. I think as well, it's a, it's, it is a difficult step up to make going from playing your semi-final in front of 300 people, 500 people to 46,000 people. It's difficult for the players to make that step up. So, you know, it would be great for the game to kind of be able to equalise those numbers out. Yeah, it was, it was I suppose... The, the most uh, I've ever wished that I've played a team sport was watching Blue Sisters, having watched, having followed you through the season. And I was there thinking, God, is it too late to take it up? Is it too late to take it up? And it absolutely is for me. <laughs> like, just 100% is. <laughs> uh, but, but everybody else, I, I mean, the, the GA have some, and sorry, the yeah, they, they have some fantastic initiatives for getting women uh, back into yeah, playing ladies nice. football. Yeah. Yeah, the Gaelic Mothers for Others, um, even the, they did the corporate one last year. I thought that was brilliant as well. Like the all the different like AIB and Lidl and all them had their games. They played off against each other in a blitz. It's brilliant. I think guys are probably better for kind of organising their little five-a-side games, booking pitches, you know, playing tag rugby. I don't think as girls we're probably good enough. We're probably, we aren't good enough at doing that type of stuff and getting together and, and doing group activities like that. Um, so I think that type of stuff helps in that terms. Well... Well, we're going to wrap things up there. Big thanks, Noel, for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us in the fair game hot seat. We fairly bombarded you with questions there <laughs> to reflect on the season that was in the sky blue shirt of Dublin. Uh, you can follow Noel on Twitter at Noel Healy. And while you're on Twitter, follow us too at Fair Game Cast for 27, 24-7 even, uh, news, views and opinions on all things women in sport. We'll be back in your ears again very soon with our review of the year, which we'd love to hear around personal women's sporting highlights of 2017. Uh, let us know via Twitter. Finally, a reminder to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Android, Stitcher and Spotify. That way you'll get our new releases direct to your device. That's all for this episode and we'll chat to you again next month. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen and Dexter at Total Wine and More. Did you know there were over one million bubbles in a glass of champagne? Did someone say brunch? Leave the egg hunting to the kids. We'll have even more fun hunting for your brilliant brunch, Riesling. Ham's sweet and salty richness pairs perfectly with sweeter wines with bold fruit. How about a juicy Pinot Noir? Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this spring at Total Wine & More. Cheers!